Alexandra Solzhenitsyn lived a very, very important life, but he lived into a very difficult time in history. He was one who spoke out against Stalin and the, United, or the Soviet Union and communism and, and the human atrocities that were taking place. And, and because of his writing, and because he was seen as one who was opposing the authorities, he was placed in a concentration camp, the very thing that he was speaking out against. And he was having to perform hard labor, long days. And one day, physically, he felt like he was going to give out. And he became discouraged and disillusioned. And, and he had the shovel in his hand that he had been working with, and he saw a bench nearby. And so he moved over and carried his shovel, realizing that if he stopped his work in that labor camp, that very shovel that he had in his hand, he could be beaten with. And he sat down and leaned against the shovel while he sat on the bench. And he felt a presence sit down beside him. It was an old man with a wrinkled face and a white beard. And the man looked and he had an affinity towards Alexander Solzhenitsyn. And he, he respected him for his courage and wanted to somehow encourage him in his discouragement. And so he took a stick that he had and he made a very, very important symbol in the sand at the feet of Alexandra Solzhenitsyn. That symbol would change everything. Let us pray. God, we thank you this morning that there is power in the visuals. There is power and the symbols all around us. And we thank you for the mystery of the cross and how it renews our strength and gives us courage to move forward. Thank you for taking that cross on. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together be acceptable unto you. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Well, Solzhenitsyn was one who grew disillusioned. Are you disillusioned today? Have you entered this sanctuary today discouraged? Well, you're not alone. And in fact, the disciples knew what that discouragement was like. They lived lives that were up and down emotionally as they were following Christ. Jesus had for them moments where they really could feel up. I mean, in the sending of the disciples, he said, go and you will have the power with you to cure diseases. You will have the authority to cast out demons. Who wouldn't be excited about that? And so they were sent out. And then the wonderful miracle of feeding the 15,000. If you count children and women in that number, there was more than 5,000, probably 15,000 people along a shore that were hungry and in need. And Jesus and the disciples fed them all. What a spectacle. What an up moment. 
And another high moment would come at the transfiguration where Peter and James and John were experiencing just this unbelievable light show on Mount Transfiguration as those who were recorded in the hall of faith stood before them. Jesus in the center, Moses on one side and Elijah on the other. And they heard a voice saying, this is my beloved son, listen to him. And so some real up moments, some high points in the journey of discipleship, and yet there were some real downers as well, moments of discouragement. And and some of that was set up by a wrong presupposition of what the prophesied Messiah would be, what the Savior would be. And they entered into some real frustration as a band of disciples as they saw that their expectations for the Messiah weren't really being met. I mean, they had an expectation that he would be a conquering, militant king. Someday, someone like a Jesus of Nazareth would come and reestablish the throne of David in Israel. And James and John bought into that whole misconception. And they said, look, when you come into your kingdom, Jesus, we want points. We want places privilege. They didn't even get it at the end. I mean, listen to this. After the crucifixion of Christ, some were talking among themselves. It's recorded in Luke. But they said, but we had hoped that he would be the one who would redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day. And look at all the things that have taken place. And so there was a selective recall in the prophecies of what the Messiah would be. And while he would be one that would be high and lifted up, he also would be one that would suffer as a servant. And so let me ask you today, very quickly, as we share in communion, what is your view of God? One of the problems that we have is, while we may affirm that God has created us in his image, We somehow want to create God in ours. We want to make God into what we want to make God into. What do I mean by that? Well, I like country music. (laughs) Part of the reason I like country music is some of the humor that's embedded in it. It's real earthy. And one country song says this, I don't care if it rains or freezes. As long as I have my plastic Jesus on the dashboard of my car. Now, folks, that's deep. That's deep stuff. All right. And, and, and I ask you this. What is the view of God with a lyric like that? Or maybe you heard about the Jesus doll that came out several years ago. It was huggable, washable. It was a talking plush Jesus doll for only $15.95. And it sported uh, some fuzzy dreadlocks uh, and a satiny beard. And if you squeezed his heart, I, I kid you not, if you squeezed his heart, it would say, I love you and I have an exciting plan for your life. Now, I think if we buy into that, and I'm not discounting that God has an exciting plan for a life. I believe that. 
But if we somehow believe that God is a rabbit's foot or a four-leaf clover, we're going to miss it. If we somehow have deceived ourselves into thinking that God is somehow an Aladdin lamp redeemer, give us that new job, give us that new SUV, that new and improved spouse, make my wish your command, well, we're off the mark. The real question is, who's to receive glory? Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. And it's that kind of paradigm. It's that kind of mentality that he has asked of us. And maybe that's why that one line from Damon's reading this morning rings clear. He talked about a number of things, and it says the disciples just did not understand. I mean, they were thinking Jesus was going to be that pocket-sized, handy, easily packaged, easily understood, easily diagrammed, one that they could hang on their wall like some of us have done. And he does our bidding. But I want to say to you, they may have found their, dis their discouragement, they may have found their confusion in his doomsday disclosure. Because he says, which, in, which infuses frustration, I would imagine, he says that he must suffer many things. He must be rejected by the elders and chief priests and teachers of the law. He will be killed. He will be raised from the dead. But many of these same things you will experience. And so he has complicated that whole thing called be my disciple. And they entered into some discouragement. They entered into confusion. They were disillusioned. And some of us have reached that point where maybe we feel like, God, where did you go? Uh, where have you hidden yourself? And my circumstances haven't unfolded in the way that I thought they would. Well, those are all realities. But nothing will separate us from the love of God. And we have hope in Christ. Alexander Solzhenitsyn was looking down. He too was raising questions. He too was discouraged. He was passionate about a movement that would bring freedom to people, millions of people. And he wondered if he made a difference at all. And the old man drew the sign of the cross in the sand. And when he saw that, it renewed in him a passion. It reawakened his calling that if one man could give his life completely for all of humanity, surely he could get off that bench and move forward for the cause of a few million. The wonderful thing for us today is as we see the cross, we find encouragement, we find hope, and we find eternal life. May we draw close to that cross as we share in communion together.
Today we're simply going to share in the confession of sin as we share in communion, and I invite you to turn to page 12 in your hymnal. And in the bold print, you will find the confession of sin. In a moment, we're going to confess as a body of Christ. But let me share with you, this is an open communion table. All are welcome, and we just simply ask you to celebrate the good work on the cross that Christ did for all of us. And you'll be invited forward, and you'll receive a piece of bread, and you'll hear the words, this is the body of Christ. Dip that bread into the chalice, and you'll hear the words, this is the blood of Christ shed for you. Receive this, for there is power in the work of the Christ, work of Christ on the cross through these elements. Let us join together in our confession of sin. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took the bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body. Broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he gave thanks, gave it to the disciples. As he passed the cup, drink from this all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this. As often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. <clears throat> 